This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. we are. End of the week. Hope you're having a good Friday as uh, you're listening and joining us here on this, our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Now, if you're married, do you remember those firsts that you experienced as a couple? Your first apartment or your first house? All of those first holidays that you celebrated as a couple? Maybe your first Christmas or your first Easter? When my wife, Baylen, and I, when we were very first married, we'd both moved into this little apartment, second-story apartment, and it was located in Springfield, Oregon. We both had brought our own, you know, the modest possessions that we had, the small amount of things that we had accumulated over the last few years as young adults, living on our own, and hoping that between the two of us, we'd have most of the basics we'd need as we started our life together. You know, that's, of course, along with wedding gifts from family and friends. But Belen had moved into that apartment a few days before we were married. She had her things there. I had filled a small U-Haul truck with my things and moved them in when we were married. And that first day in the apartment together, after we had returned the U-Haul truck, well, we knew we had very little food there in this apartment. So we went out on our very first grocery shopping trip together as a married couple. And I don't remember everything that we bought, but I know that after we'd filled our shopping cart with some basics that, you know, would last us for the next week or two, just milk, eggs, bread, butter, things like that, we said, well, we need to figure out something for dinner tonight. And we settled on picking up some cans of Nally's Chili and some cheddar cheese to make some grilled cheese sandwiches. That was going to be our first meal in our new apartment together. And we got home, we put the groceries away, we pulled out a frying pan for making the grilled cheese sandwiches, along with a small little pot that we could put on the stove and warm up the chili. And it was right at about that time we realized, of all the things that we both had brought into our new home together, something was missing. One key item that was necessary for us to make our dinner. Any ideas? Any ideas on what we didn't have? We were missing a can opener. Both of us, we'd lived with roommates prior to being married, and they, our roommates, were the ones that owned a can opener in our prior residences. So, Belen, she went next door, knocked on the door, asked our neighbors in the next apartment if we could borrow a can opener. And then the next day, we did go out and buy one. Have you been in that situation, though, where everything seems right, everything looks good, looks okay? But at some point, you realize there's something important that's missing. You're lacking something instrumental. And without it, even though things look good on the surface, you suddenly were aware that whatever you have, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, it's not quite right. It's incomplete. You need that something that's missing. This can happen, of course, in our spiritual lives as well. And maybe one of the most common areas that we can see this is in dealing with the sacrament of marriage. 
Mainly it comes from a misunderstanding or even a complete ignorance of what makes marriage a sacrament. In many couples, they find themselves in non-sacramental marriages, and this actually happened to me and Baylen, my wife. We started off civilly married, didn't realize her growing up Catholic, me not, her being baptized, having gone through First Communion, First Reconciliation, even being confirmed in the Catholic Church. We didn't realize there were certain things that were missing from our marriage to make it sacramental. So what do you do? What can you do if your marriage is not sacramental? Well, we want to discuss that. We want to also look at what happens when a marriage receives a declaration of nullity, something that we commonly call an annulment. And today, joining us as our spiritual director, as we look at marriage, as we look at sacramental marriage, as we look at divorce, as we look at annulments, Father Ramil Fajardo is back with us once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Father Ramil is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral. He's also a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. And additionally, he serves as the director of liturgy and the Cardinal's delegate for the St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center. And just last year was named the director of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Ramil, welcome back to The Inner Life. Good morning, Josh. How are you? I'm well. I, I'm, I'm really glad to have you back here. I hope your new year has uh, been going well for you. And maybe before we dive into marriage and annulments, uh, the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, um, an American saint and yeah. just a wonderful woman who uh, lived out generosity and charity, love in her life. Can you tell us a little bit, just maybe a thumbnail biography on her, and then also about the National Shrine, where it's located, if somebody would like to visit? Absolutely. St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, born in Italy, in the, in the new, uh, new um, kingdom of Italy, uh, was growing up as a young woman who was in a very rich, uh, in a richly Catholic home and was very much inspired to go and do mission just because of the rhythm of Catholic life about generosity, about service, teaching. Uh, the Catholic faith was an instrumental part of Mother Cabrini's um, life as a young woman. And so she wished to go serve. So she gathered some women around her, and they were asking, what can we do? How can we move forward uh, with this desire to serve? And teaching was an important component of that. But they really felt they needed to do more. So Mother Cabrini went to visit Pope Leo XIII and begged, Holy Father, send us to China. We, we, we really feel called to go to the East to serve Christ in the mission. And Pope Leo XIII gave a very interesting answer. No, not to the East, to the West. <laughs> and he said that the Italian immigrants in the New World were facing extreme challenges, uh, just very difficult challenges in, in the Americas. So out of obedience, she gathered her, her uh, sisters and came to the United States landed in New York, and didn't receive the warmest of welcomes. Uh, apparently, the archbishop at the time said, well, uh, who are you? I don't have room for you. You need to go back to Italy. And in turn, Mother apparently gave a letter, said, well, the Pope sent us, so <laughs> we're here. 
<laughs> and immediately began serving the, the poor, especially beginning with the Italian immigrants, um, in whatever way they can, in whatever way they could. And that was, most importantly, to become, number one, a presence, solidarity with them in the new world. And it went through the different stages of helping them out, both in education, but with health care, uh, doing what they could to make sure that they received the dignity as, as Americans, as fellow Americans. And that was something as simple as just being with them in New York. Now, eventually, they started founding hospitals, schools, orphanages, the various things that speak to that human need and human solidarity. And eventually, Mother started traveling all over the world, um, especially down to South America, where there were a lot of Italian immigrants as well. Now, an interesting thing about Mother was that she was uh, deathly afraid of water. There was an incident as a young girl where she had a, uh, she had a, a near-death experience with water and ended up being deathly afraid of traveling over water. But she conquered that and crossed the oceans how many times? I mean, numerous times, because caritas Christi urgit nos, as St. Paul says, the love of Christ compels us. Mm-hmm. So she overrode that fundamental fear and began traveling to do the Lord's work. She returned and eventually died on, uh, in, in Chicago, right around Christmas time, and that was in 1917, and was canonized as the first American citizen saint by Pope Pius XII in 1946. Mm, that's beautiful. I, I didn't know the story of uh, the fear of water, but I knew, yeah, the traveling that she did. Uh, so the shrine then in the Chicago metro, if somebody wants to visit, where is it located and, and uh, what can they expect? What can they visit there? Well, we are located at 2520 North Lakeview Avenue, Chicago 60614, right, in, right on Lincoln Park, and not too far from Lincoln Park Zoo and a whole lot of upscale places. It's, a, it's hard to imagine where the shrine is now that used to be the old Columbus Hospital. And the, uh, the presence of the shrine is a small reminder in a very upscale neighborhood that Christ can be found even in the wealthiest of neighborhoods and that Christ is there to serve everyone because no matter how rich we are or we think we are, we're still needy. And Christ reaches to all of them. And Mother said the same thing. I'm, I'm here to serve all people, uh, especially my brothers and sisters who are most in need. And perhaps maybe even us in North America, even in the wealthiest of neighborhoods, we're much more in need than we suspect. I think Mother Teresa of Calcutta said the same thing. It's like, well, I think, uh, I think North Americans are much more needy than some mm-hmm. of the poorest of the poor. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, giving us the background on... St. Francis uh, Cabrini, and uh, Father, we do want to talk, though, about marriage today, and Mm -hmm. talk about marriage, divorce, annulment, so many different things out there. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what the Catholic Church teaches in this area, but as we start the hour today, um, rather than us diving into maybe those misunderstandings um, on the side of divorce or annulments, we'll get there, but... I thought it might be good for us to have a better understanding of the difference between a contractual agreement, because this mm-hmm. is what a lot of people associate, mistakenly, a marital mm-hmm. relationship with, 
and what a covenant is. Because I, I think if we really understood what a covenant entails, especially before entering into marriage, but even if we are married, having that better understanding, I think we would take marriage far more seriously with that understanding, because that idea of a contract, when people think of that in regards to marriage, the problem is that that contract, a contract deals with uh, an exchange of goods or services. And when that good, that product or the service is delivered or completed, then that contract ends. It no longer serves any purpose. It's, you know, it's no longer of any use. But in marriage, Hopefully, we have taken as one of those vows, until death do us part. So can you help us understand what a covenant is and the differences from a contract? Sure. Uh, Let me first define contract, because I think this is the root of a lot of misunderstanding. So my handy-dandy Black's Law Dictionary here says, defines a contract as an agreement between two or more persons which creates an obligation to do or not to do a particular thing. There's the super direct um, definition of a contract. We agree this is going to happen. All right, and a good contract in business would also indicate ways to have some sort of redress should one party not fulfill that role. Right, right, they don't deliver on what they said. There's a way to terminate or to compensate, sure. Right. So what we have then is a distinction between a covenant. Now, I want to make sure I was really as precise as possible, so I did a little digging around. And um, the uh, Our Sunday Visitors Catholic Encyclopedia, uh, edited by Father Shravinskis, has this definition. And it's also in the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. A covenant is a solemn promise fortified by an oath concerning future action. And this oath might be expressed in words or in a symbolic action. So it is a solemn agreement between human beings or between God and a human being involving a mutual commitment or guarantee. And in our Catholic context, in our Catholic Christian context, we see this expressed in the sacred scripture. That's why the Bible shows us this is how covenant works. They talk, uh, the writers talk about God's covenant with Noah and Abraham and Moses in the, in the Old Testament or the, the, uh, the Old Covenant. And then the, that revelation of the law through Moses and the Old, uh, Old Testament. And then in the New Testament or the New Covenant, Christ establishes the new and eternal covenant through his life and death and resurrection. So in other words, it is part of the Christian economy that will never pass away. It is anchored on Jesus Christ. It is a promise paid by his blood, but also by his resurrection from death. So it is as solemn as it possibly could ever be. There's just no way around the solemnity and durability of a promise anchored in Christ. Well, so let's talk about that because, you know, as you're saying, there isn't that way to dissolve the covenant there. When you're looking at salvation history, when it comes to marriage, we already have the words of Jesus who says in heaven there will neither be giving in marriage, people won't be married. Um, 
So we do make that commitment until death do us part. So this is a covenant that lasts as long as we are physically alive on this earth. But as soon as a spouse dies, that covenant has ended here for us. How how do we understand that in the in regards to that marital relationship? Then that a covenant can end, but it really has to continue on through the lifetime of at least you know until the first person does die and leave that leave the earth for that covenant to right. end. Right. Marriage is a public act, and that's expressed by the church through the way a Catholic is expected to marry. So if you make a solemn promise before God, and in, in our case, in the Latin church, through, the, through God's representative, the priest or the deacon, and between, with the presence of two witnesses, and usually it's always our families present and friends, marriage is a public institution. It must be celebrated publicly for the sake of stressing this is the presence of God in the sacrament. And we call upon God to give us his very presence in these words that we say to another. The old words up until a few years ago used to be, I, John, take you, Mary, to be my wife. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. And the woman, in turn, says the same thing, repeating it as first person to her beloved. And in the simplest of words, what, what they have expressed and called upon is the fidelity and the totality of life-giving that they can possibly offer as human beings and have called upon God and man to witness that. We promise this. This is no mere contract. This is totality. This is strengthened by God himself, and we call upon God to do that. So marriage is public. So therefore... Go go ahead, ahead. Father. No, so therefore, uh, if if, if a man and a woman stand in front of their family and before God and say these words, the presumption is you know what you're saying. You have prepared. Your families have prepared you. You have grown up in a, in a rhythm that allows you to say those words. They're not complicated words, but they're extreme in its profundity. They are profound, and they are, they're, they're the sort of words that everybody should be able to pronounce, but they mean it. It's understood. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. You know what you're saying. You're, you're not going... Exactly. There. You're not skipping the... Uh, um, the user agreement and just going down to click on I agree. You actually do know. Well, what you, you shouldn't. To. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, At least our covenants aren't as long winded as some of those uh, computer uh, program uh, I know, agreements. I know. Um, let me throw out the phone number here for anybody who's listening that would like to call in. As we're talking about marriage, also going to be looking at annulments today. And maybe you have a question about annulments in the Catholic Church, and maybe you've gone through that process. How did that help you to find healing, to grow closer to Christ? Uh, But maybe you do have that question, because there is a lot of confusion out there when it comes to the understanding of what uh, makes for a sacramental marriage, and if you've sought out um, to receive that declaration of nullity for a prior marriage, what are the things that actually uh, qualify 
for that? What are the things that must be in place for a marriage to be sacramental? And you can call us at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com, as we're talking today with Father Ramil Fajardo. But Father, uh, before we take a short time out here, it might be good before the break to talk about marriage as Catholics in our American culture, we really have two different categories that might be referenced when we use that word marriage. Um, You know, we've been talking about that covenantal sacramental marriage, but even if a sacramental marriage doesn't exist, there can be a completely valid civil marriage, one recognized by the state. So uh, it's good for us to also have that kind of understanding that marriage can be used in a couple of different ways as we're discussing here during this hour. Exactly. Excellent point. We, we have to remember that Roman Catholics or Catholics are obligated by their faith to marry as Catholics. And that's what we call form, F-O-R-M. A Catholic marries as a Catholic, whether Western Latin Rite or Eastern Catholic with the various Eastern Rites, a Catholic marries as a Catholic. So that's, that is the way it has been expressed. Now, non-Catholics can marry validly within their own church tradition. So let's say a, a Lutheran marries a Lutheran. They are ba- they're also they're, you know they're they're also permitted to marry. Obviously, marriage is is a gift of God. So we don't control how a non-Catholic chooses to marry if it's if it's recognized by their tradition then we would recognize a non-Catholic marriage as a valid marriage, right? And the same thing also with an unbaptized person marrying an unbaptized person. They are they're free to contract in the way that their tradition or their understanding of marriage is. Well, a man and a woman who are unbaptized, both, if they go before civil court and say, we express marriage, we want to be married. This is how we express it. The church does not condemn that. They have chosen, and in fact, we respect that they have chosen that way to marry. We, they do not oblige themselves to our laws. Okay? So it's one of those things that people say, well, you know, they, uh, they weren't married in the Catholic Church. Well, were they obligated to? You know, we can only tell our Catholic people how we expect them to marry. As Catholics, you have made an active profession of faith in the Catholic faith, well, this is how a Catholic marries. But non-Catholics oblige themselves to their tradition or their faith customs. And if they follow it, we respect it, and we consider them married. Yeah, well, and so that's important to know, because, um, you know, if... If there's a couple that gets married, like you say, civil ceremony or, you know, they get married by, uh, you know, some non-denominational Christian pastor or somebody out on a mm-hmm. beach in Hawaii, whatever it might be, but they're not baptized Catholics, at that point, the Church gives the benefit of the doubt. But if one of them has grown up Catholic, this was the case for my wife and I. She grew up Catholic, she mm-hmm. was confirmed, um, and so when we got married— she didn't realize, I didn't realize, being married in the Catholic Church 
um, right. you know, that that was something that had to happen. So it was several years down the road we discovered this right. and then ended up going in. Um, you know, sometimes it'll have different phrases that are used, you know, a convalidation of marriage or your marriage is blessed. Mm-hmm. Or, but, but essentially, you go through a marriage, uh, a sacramental marriage ceremony there. And uh, just like any other marriage, we had to have a couple of witnesses there for it as well. Um, so I know there have been other people who have gone through, you know, similar circumstances there once they realize what's happening. Um, exactly. let's, let me throw out the phone number again, and we do need to take a short time out here, but 888-914-9149. And uh, you can call in if you have questions about marriage, about divorce, about annulments in the Catholic Church, what the teaching is. If there's some confusion, you're not alone, but you're welcome to call in and talk with Father Ramil. Again, 888-914-9149. And coming up, we will talk about what an annulment is, what it is not as well, and have a better understanding of that. And you're welcome to call in. Again, maybe you've gone through that annulment process and you have found healing. You've seen how that process has drawn you closer to Christ. We'd love to hear your experience as well. 888-914-9149. Back right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. As we're talking about marriage, talking about divorce, understanding what an annulment is in the Catholic Church, understanding what the Catholic Church teaches about marriage, and maybe you have a question about marriage or annulments, and you'd like to call in and speak with our spiritual director, Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral, and a judge on the Metropolitan Tribunal there, um, dealing with annulments on a regular basis. And you're welcome to call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, uh, let's go to the phones here. We'll talk about annulments in just a moment, but a uh, good question from Maureen, who's calling in from Chicago. Hi, Maureen. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Thank you. Good morning. I have a grandson who is baptized Catholic. I do not believe he lives his faith. He is being married, planning on a wedding. I don't know about the bride-to-be, but he has asked his father, my son, to officiate. What does that mean? Wow. Um, is, is your son a deacon? Is he a deacon no. in the Catholic Church? No? No. No. Apparently, he's been asked to officiate, and he is supposed to go through some training. Mm. Okay. I have um, never heard that before. Uh, yeah, it's it's much more common nowadays. I think people have been getting, I guess, ministry uh, diplomas online. Um, I, I I don't know, but it's it's always kind of very difficult to say the most important thing straightforward, and that is bottom line, no. Uh, it, it's hard to say that because a Catholic is expected to follow the Catholic rules. And it is if we call ourselves and invoke the name 
Catholic, then we should know our faith and we should practice it knowing that we always need help. That's why the church has given us our sacraments. So the kind of do-it-yourself marriage and sacramental, well, I'm not going to say sacramental, but the sort of do-it-yourself society that we're in puts us all in a lot of very difficult situations. So the the hard and fast answer, without knowing anything other than just what you have just told me, is that a Catholic is expected to marry as a Catholic. And if your son is uh, is a Catholic and is attempting to get a ministry degree online or a ministry certificate, that's just not that's contrary. No, that's just not the way the church does it. Um, it's it's very hard to say point blank no. So I'm using this very cautiously. I, I unless we know all the circumstances, it, it's it, the bottom line issue is a Catholic marries as a Catholic should and is expected to. Right. Well, and, you know, listening to Maureen here, as you can, you know, hear that little bit of distress and confusion in her voice at this situation here. But, um, you know, this kind of points out maybe a deeper root problem that we just see rampant in the church. And that's really people not having solid formation and education. Mm -hmm as to what right. the Catholic Church teaches, and not only just, well, here are the rules, and you have to follow these, but why does the Church exactly. have these rules? And therefore, the, it's to help you live the best life possible. You know, um, if Maureen is still listening, I, I would really encourage her to get a hold of her pastor and to walk through what's going on, because, again, a, calling in on the show is one thing, um, but there may be nuances, there may be dis- distinctions, but most importantly, she really needs to have good help in try- because th- then the question is going to come up. I expect you there, Grandma. You know, you know, you're expected to be there. Plus, also the the issue of you know her son performing something which I don't know unless he's a deacon. Um, it, it's just simply he can't do that. I, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, tongue-tied as to how to explain it other than uh, I, I really need more facts, but no, you know, we marry in the way the Church asks us to marry because of the sacrament that is involved. It is Christ himself in the sacramental bond between husband and wife, between man and woman. Speaking with Father Ramil Fajardo, and maybe you have a question about marriage, about annulments in the Catholic Church, you can call in and uh, talk with Father Ramil, 888-914-9149. And Father, before we go back to the phones, let's talk about what an annulment is. Uh, What does that word annulment or a declaration of nullity mean, and why would anybody seek this out as opposed to a civil divorce? Right. You know the church is the church is very concerned with having people know Jesus Christ, and the church's only mission is to proclaim Christ crucified and Christ alive, resurrected, and who will come again? Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. That's our mission. So, in doing so, when we propose marriage and we offer the sacrament of marriage, what we have then is an opportunity for a man and a woman to exchange words, which then becomes flesh. It incarnates in them. Jesus Christ is truly present in them. You know, it, it, The word takes flesh in their words 
they become Christ himself in their marital vow, in that sacrament of marriage. So that's how firm the Church teaches about the sacrament of marriage, and therefore what we call an annulment is simply not possible. The Church cannot annul words uttered by a man and a woman who, at the moment they did that, knew exactly what they were doing and said these words. They meant what they said. That's the understanding. And a civil divorce really concerns post-words, what happened through the marriage. Irreconcilable differences. You know, you hear that a lot in civil trials. It's irreconcilable differences, or he did this, she did that. It had nothing to do with the moment of the vows. What a declaration of nullity instead focuses on the moment they exchanged those words. Was there a circumstance at that precise moment when the marriage was confected that indicates they didn't mean what they said? Can that be proven? If it can be proven, then technically no marriage existed from that point onwards, no sacramental marriage. Of course, a relationship occurred. There was a relationship. Right, right. You know, they stood right there, and through, through either no fault of one's own or whatever, and again, we have to be very careful. The Church teaches a lot about the mercy of our Lord, that it's not about fault-finding. I think we have to be very careful. I, I have to remind myself as well that as I'm acting as a judge, I'm not looking for faults. I'm looking for the truth. Truth, yeah. Did yeah. one or the other realize the importance of the words that they were saying? Uh, talking with Father Emil Fajardo. And Father, um, our phone lines are just completely filled up with people wanting to talk with you. So let's go back to the phones. John is listening in Portland, Oregon. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us here on uh, The Inner Life today. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Hello. Hello, Father Ramil. And uh, uh, I'm new, uh, new Catholic. I was baptized Catholic, and I just did the RCIA at the last Easter vigil after being a long-term Protestant. So I thank mm-hmm. the Lord for coming home, as the Word Amen. says. Um, I did not know, because <laughs> I studied the sacraments um, and church history, but I didn't know the magnitude. Uh, I mean, of course, I read the Word as a Protestant, but really, the sacrament of matrimony and that magnitude. So as I, being single, um, my former wife divorced me, and it was a different scenario, um, I'm clear or clean or whatever the word is after I became Catholic to be married. And so now I am courting or looking and I wanted to um, get a better grip that um, I want to be married in the church and seeking a Catholic woman. Um, why is it that so many that are divorced and claiming Catholic don't want to be annulled? That's my question. Good question. Uh, as many as different, as many as there are people that say that, there are as many different reasons. Um, a, I, a common one that I hear is this, it's too painful. I don't want to dredge up all these things. It's just it's too painful. I don't want to deal with it. Um, there is also, and let's just be honest, there are people that say, I really don't care what the church says. And that's really kind of the sadness of it all. We, we, we claim the title of Catholic, and then ultimately we don't care what the Church says. I mean, if we're a revealed religion. God himself came to us and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
And you know, who else do we go to? Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. And those words take flesh, you know, especially in the sacraments. Uh, a piece of bread and, and, and some wine turn into his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And in the sacrament of matrimony, a man and a woman, they incarnate Christ himself in their, in their words, and the word was made flesh in them. So I cannot answer that, John, to be very honest. Um, I think, it again, just to be very careful, the church understands that for some people it's just far too painful, far too painful. And catechesis is necessary for both those, those individuals as well as those who just say, well, I don't really care what the church says. Uh, and, and there are many gradations in between. So it's not about being critical or judging on, on the church's part. We're here to listen to everyone's experience. We have to. We have to. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny, uh, Josh, if you don't mind my saying so, one time uh, somebody said to me once, you know, you know, Father, you're so judgmental. I'm like, well, I am a judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes with the, and, the territory, right? <laughs> unfortunately, it's kind of the training that I got, but it was meant as a joke. Uh-huh. But it's, it's, it's also a reminder to me that I'm here to listen. I'm a bit of a talker, as you probably already noticed, but I'm also asked, listen. Listen to the hurts, listen to the anger, and then give them Christ. How do we do that? And that's what the whole melody process is all about. But, you know, excellent question, John. I just, you know, as many different people hold opinions, as many different reasons. John, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, again, we've got our lines completely full. Um, so if you have a question, uh, best way to get it to us is to email at innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be back with more of your phone calls. We'll, I know there's a lot of you holding. We'll try and get to as many of your calls as we can coming up right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other Love and marriage Thank you, Mr. Frank Sinatra. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and today we're talking with Father Ramil Fajardo, a resident priest at Holy Name, of Cath- uh, Holy Name Cathedral in the Archdiocese of Chicago, also a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal and uh, dealing with questions of marriage and annulment and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go back to the phones. Mary is listening to us in Downers Grove, Illinois. Hi, Mary. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Good morning. I came in at the end of the conversation. Um, So I grew up Catholic. I married a man who really wasn't raised in um, any particular faith. So we were married. Uh, we've been married 40 years, uh, two children. So about 10 years ago, for some reason, I said, you know, I don't think we really have proof that you were baptized. We kind of assumed he was. So he got baptized. And um, then I heard Josh talking about, well, then after that, you should have your marriage um, vows like, renewed or something i i just caught the tail end of it sure. should we do we need to do something for our marriage to be more valid in the eyes of the church well this is uh this is one of those things where um i would always recommend <laughs> speak to your pastor okay speak to your pastor because number one he's always expected 
to give you pastoral care. That is a pastor's role. Um, and, and also, congratulations on 40 years, right? Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. You know, fidelity, uh, fidelity is always one of those things that uh, is best expressed. There is an old homily in one of the old liturgical books, uh, pre-Vatican II liturgical books, which talks about um, the covenanted marriage between husband and wife as a living homily, as a living sermon of God's presence in the world and fidelity. So let's get back to your situation. Um, the most important thing is speak with your pastor and find out what is most important to going on with what your needs are. Since I have no idea your situation, obviously, <laughs> um, your pastor would be the best person to walk you through it. Um, Josh brought up the term convalidation, which is to validate the vows that you have made. Uh, if, it's, if it's considered not valid in the Catholic Church, then your pastor would be the best person to determine it because he would walk through your background, your, your husband's background, and take everything into account in order to find the proper procedure to follow. That's, that's the only way I can describe it because obviously quick answers uh, are, are simply not possible when we're talking about not only just the sacramental theology behind Christian marriage, but also the legal aspect of it. You know, I, uh, it's, it's hard to solve quickly without seeing all the details. That's super important, I have to stress. It's very important. And you're in the Diocese of Joliet in Downers Grove. So Bishop Hicks, former Chicago priest and bishop, a friend of mine, you know, their tribunal can also help you to, to walk through some of the questions you might have. Very I hope that's helpful, right information. Yeah, thanks for calling in and, and uh, sharing and, and, you know, asking your question. Uh, Father, let's go to Katie. Katie's listening to us in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Katie. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so I actually want to know how to explain um, how important it is that my husband's previous marriage be annulled. Um, I explained to him, you know, that because he was previously married and because we weren't married in the church, um, that he needs to have his marriage annulled so that our marriage can be blessed. And he kind of feels like, well, it was my, you know, my mistake that I made in the past. Mm -hmm. So how, why is that affecting you? And I just want to know how I can explain how important it is. And I know it's important to me and I know that he knows that, but just to Good. give him okay. a little bit more understanding. Okay. Good. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, it's very, it's very courageous to openly talk about something that's, you know, that's causing a difficulty for you. And that's a, and for a lot of people, that is a difficult question. However, here is a way of approaching it. When a man and a woman exchange vows, they give a totality that's just a human understanding. Let's not even talk about the church's tradition, but our understanding is that when a man and a woman exchange words to one another, they really mean it. They really mean it. So this prior marriage of his, in one sense, needs to be investigated in order that it is respectfully determined. What is the process? What, what is the end result? It should be respectfully put 
to put to rest, I, I, how, do I, how else do I say it, this woman that he was married to prior, he exchanged words. So unless that is actually addressed and respectfully handled, then the words that he speaks to you are kind of tinged with this other woman's presence. So therefore, he's not really technically giving you full attention, is he? This, this other relationship is still in the background because of it. So pray about it. Again, as I said to Mary just before, speak to your pastor. And then get some help uh, in finding the right words. Prayer is super important here. Prayer is super important. And because of your love for him, it can be approached very carefully, but also directly, because it's your relationship with him that needs to be healed. So that's the way, when people have come to me for, uh, for questions about annulments and declarations of nullity, and I sit down with them, and I say, well, you know, this is the way we look at it. You did say words to this other woman, and we need to handle that before we can look at the two of you. I hope, I hope that helps. Katie, is that helpful? I, I think so. I think that is an Im- important way to put it. So, Good. Well, good. thanks, thanks so much for your call. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank God you very much. And, and you'll be in our prayers. You, you deserve full attention. That's what I'm trying to say. You deserve full attention. So he should, the two of you should speak to your pastor and then make sure that that's, the prior relationship is handled respectfully, carefully, and most importantly, uh, in, in a dignified manner, as the Church has the mechanisms for that. Uh, Father, you know, listening to Katie's situation there, too, it reminds me of a family that I knew where the husband, he had a prior marriage. He was married in the church for that first marriage, but then he stopped practicing his faith, you know, didn't go to church, got divorced. Then he remarried. And later, he and his second wife, they came back to the church. But by this point, they had children, they had a family, and the husband did seek out an, an annulment, that declaration of nullity from his first marriage, but it wasn't granted, and it caused all kinds of issues. Heartache for mm. this man and this woman because they wanted to be able to go and receive the Eucharist, but they couldn't, um, you know, and they didn't, they didn't want to split up their family, understandably, of course, because they had these children they were raising together. And then the children also, seeing this play out in their mother and their father, it developed this kind of resentment in them toward the church, and, you know, I, I, I know this happens time and again with different people. It's such a tough situation. What can they do or what advice might you give to somebody who is in that type of situation? Well, you know, you have hit the nail on the head with what Pope Francis has been trying to ask the Church to address uh, through his post-nodal exhortation to Morse Laetitia. The Holy Father is asking for discernment and accompaniment. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people say, you know, oh, here we are with, with terms. What, what, how does this happen? Where, where do we go with all this? You know, give us more than buzzwords. First and foremost, as a communio, as a communion, we all walk together. We, we are a community of faith. So therefore, all of us, when one is hurting, all are hurting. That's St. Paul. Uh, practical considerations. The again, not knowing details about the gentleman and and his uh, and his wife and the children's ages and things like that. The most important thing is moving forward. The children are the focus, and that above all, 
the integrity of the faith must be taught, not just the negatives, but why the church teaches certain things. Um, I would hope and pray that just because a teaching is difficult does not make it impossible to understand. And the most important thing is the children need to hear the truth, the totality of the teaching, and also parents have to live out to the best of their ability what the church teaches. And I, I remember reading it one time before in, in, a, um, in, in, a, in a, a discussion document of some sort where one priest said, we understand that it's very difficult, but why does difficulty mean that we cannot embrace it? There is suffering in this world, and for some of us, they're called to a very tough cross mm-hmm. and a very heavy cross and a very painful one. But why do we presume that Christ is not present in that pain and that suffering? Sometimes, and this is one of the hard answers, sometimes we have to embrace a cross. And, mm-hmm. and if it means the holding, withholding of the sort of marital exchange and rights that, uh, that one would expect in marriage, that's a difficult thing to ask of people. But if it's an irregular situation, they've got to pray about that and bring it, bring it to the church. And again, not knowing any of the details of why he received a negative, let's again, Josh, remember what I said the last time I was on about uh, annulments. Marriage has the favor of the law. Marriage has the favor of the law. So if he petitions for a declaration of nullity, after an investigation, testimonies are gathered, if it didn't rise to the level of moral certitude necessary, then marriage is presumed. So I, I guess the question, uh, as you bring it up, is what can, what can the church offer? Well, the church can offer many different ways of helping. Spiritually, not necessarily sacramentally, but there are ways of helping our, our, our people, but it's also about taking it deeper into meditation and say the cross is a reality here on earth, the cross. You know, also one of the things I want to go back to, you've mentioned it at least a couple of times during the the hour here today, and we're out of time, and I'm so sorry for those listening that called in, those of you on hold, that we aren't able to take your calls here. We will revisit this topic again sometime in the near future, um, but go to your pastor. <laughs> that, right. that is a, a theme Absolutely. that I've heard you say again and again. So, um, you know, talk with your pastor about some of the specifics you're dealing with. Father, about 30 seconds left here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners today? Absolutely. Almighty God, as we celebrate this Friday, help us always to be in the heart of your Son and that your, your Son's heart be in us. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Ramil, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. And thank you for listening. And of course, I know many of you joined late in the hour. If you want to listen to the entire podcast, find that podcast at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Mass is next. And then coming up on Monday here on The Inner Life, we're going to talk about how we can resist temptation in our life. It'll be a fascinating conversation, and you won't want to miss it. We'll talk with you then here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.